every once in a while you'll find somebody doing underground music because the the mainstream language isn't really big enough to for all the words that they're trying to express so they got to push it it's a cool winter morning in Philadelphia in front of a giant museum, a beautiful marble building in the middle of massive Fairmont Park known as the Please Touch Museum. Snow's covered the open spaces, and just a few dozen paces from his car, Ed Wilcox has assembled his drum set and now proceeds to play along to a phone app uh, tuning in radio stations from around the world. Ed likes to set his drums up outdoors as long as it's not raining gets him motivated to play. I'm actually kind of lazy and and if I if I was just gonna stay home and play the drums, I'd just be watching football or something, you know. And and so I sort of force myself, you know, you have to know yourself. Then you might as well play since you put yes. so much effort into yes. the lugging of the drums. Yeah, so there's a wonderful park and it's and it's good practice also because there's um you become a magnet for little kids. And if you are not kicking it, they'll just be like taking the sticks. Hey, let me play. I play better than you. Where do you learn to play better? So you you gotta like be on. And and um, so yeah, I've just done that for for you know, 20, 30 years. You know. Ed Wilcox is our guest today, drummer, band leader, singer, Philadelphia-based Temple of Bohemian. One thing about the band you might already recognize. They're loud. I spoke with Ed in his kitchen in West Philly for low profile I'm Carl Blau, filling in for Markley Morrison. In this interview, Ed Wilcox shares 30 years of stories recording and performing in Temple of Bomatan. He talks about his grandmother, his love for the Sex Pistols, and more. Very uh, honored that, 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 Carl, that you want to talk to me about some stuff, you know. We'll, we'll make it a nice, fun evening. I started playing around, you know, 1990 or something, but but I actually had kind of a, uh, I kind of came to music. I didn't really start playing music till most guys quit. I didn't have a drum kit till I was about 26, 27 years old. And uh, I had always wanted one. I'd always wanted to play, but um, we moved around the world constantly when I was a kid and then kind of a broken home poverty you know I just I just it just wasn't uh, feasible and then uh, um, well I've told this story before I was kind of raised by my grandmother and uh, she had died 
uh, about a year before. And I, it was my 26th birthday. And she had died about a year before. I, I go down to the mailbox, and there's a check for $1,000 from my grandmother. I don't know how that happened, you know, but I bought my first drum kit. young I goofed around on a lot of different instruments but um, what really attracted me most was the drums and not so much of the hitting of the drums but the the sound uh, you know if, if you uh, uh, percussion you know and especially uh, Eastern music you know the tablas and the gamelons and all that kind of music uh, that's always been my uh, first love you know and so being able to combine uh, music influenced by that with with this you know deafeningly loud racket is is uh, a, a, a treat the loudest band to ever play CBGB. We, we, we had played there and we got off stage one night and the um, and the sound guy, he's like, you know, uh, Louise, Louise Parnassa, who booked CBGB, she said, Louise loves you guys, but you're so loud. I don't know if you can play here anymore. And, and we like... You know, we were like quizzing them, like better than louder than Live Skull, louder than Blind Idiot God, yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> But you know, ninety-nine percent of it is yeah. is is me okay. singing. Yeah. yeah. How does that feel like playing drums that loud and and singing like you do, kind of the top of your lungs? I mean, you're just like expressing yourself with every limb and your whole it's, person. It's it's, it's uh, tiring. It's it's um, <laughs> uh, you know what it did, and I heard this actually said about Ringo. Uh, once that it, it it changes your drumming a bit, you know you you don't you you just can't get too fancy, uh, you know. But but it, you know it's sort of it's, it, and which actually I, I in retrospect I like it. You know you have to sort of streamline things a bit, um, and I think it. Uh, 
it was good maybe as a as a band leader um often you know a a good drummer you're kind of directing traffic you know you know bring you know you're like a symphony conductor you know bring this guy up a little louder accent this guy you know and um but when you're also singing it's it really you're kind of controlling the band you know top to bottom you know you need you need guys to kind of try to hit certain cues and bring the volume down and stuff Occasionally, we had some uh, uh, some folks doing a little bit of backup, uh, uh, especially um, uh, well. If you're from Philly, you might know Laura Bloom. Uh, she sings in a group called Radio Eris. Wonderful group. They're sort of like uh, like like the Doors, but with a cool girl singing for them. You know. Lyrics were all written down. Lyrics were all written down. Um, the music, I mean, basically uh, less improvised than you might think. Maybe it says something about us. It, it all came very natural. To us, it seemed very normal. Uh, you know, other people thought we were out of our minds. A lot of the, the tunes kind of came from the group jamming, you know. There would there would probably be a lot of improvisation in, in practice. A lot of jamming. But then, you know, if we got something, especially if Trevor came up with a lick he liked, we'd just keep using it, you know. Okay, so Trevor was writing those songs on the first record and then you added a keyboard player uh in 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 later years who kind of became part of the backbone of the band um or or is that i just read that but is that is that is that not true <laughs> no i would say no almost the opposite you know what the the very early the very early stuff was uh 
uh, me and a keyboard player, John Mulvaney, uh, who, um, John actually kind of uh, left the group. He came back for a bit, but he, he's also a very good painter, very good artist. And he, I think he wanted to just focus more on that, um, uh, you know, especially as we started becoming more active and touring and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, John, John, John was, uh, I would say... John, maybe a little bit of the Sid Barrett of, of Temple of Bombatan. It was originally okay. kind of almost his his baby, but but then he kind of drifted away, you know. <laughs> We would allow a lot of people to sit in, you know. They'd have to come, you know, maybe make a couple of practices, but but uh, but we were certainly open to to letting people sit in. And then, um, but then when that band kind of collapsed, um, uh, I was I was fortunate enough. I had I had been playing in a punk band with Frank Bradley great guitar player and I had been playing in a, uh, another group with uh, Rich Lamb fantastic bass player and uh, um, and when I you know rebuilt Temple of Bumatan I suckered those friends of mine into it and, and we sort of you know built it up from there and uh, and those guys were just fantastic musicians. I loved, I loved them, and we did a, a lot of touring. That band was, um, man, we, we, you know, just every weekend, every weekend out of town, you know. How are you getting shows? Were you um, sending tapes to venues to get shows? Yeah, I mean, there was. We were very lucky. The first album. Uh, it got some some good press, you know. It was on Silk Breeze, which was a very hip record label, and uh, you could pretty much do any anything, good or bad, on Silk Breeze, and critics would have loved it, you know. Uh, so that that got us some mileage. And then uh, Bulb Records out of uh, Detroit wanted another album from us. And, and really amazing because I mean we, uh, we 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 worship the Sex Pistols, and we were pretty much by after about a year we were almost like 
yeah, you guys are not allowed to perform here, you know. And we were just, uh, we were just starting wars and gigs and uh, get shut down. Just with shenanigans? Or what, what were you doing no, to get to, just, just, just the, the, I think the, the aggressiveness. Yeah, stage. yeah. I mean, so loud and we would just be, I, I don't know, you know, one of those things where I don't know how we lived, you know, like, um, you know, drunk off our minds. I mean, no, no, like hardcore drugs, but just like, man, how did, you know. Can be... you describe, uh, like a, so around this era, like your tour rig, uh, what were you making it to shows in? Like, oh, just, I just had a beat up old van and, um, um, and yeah, you know, basically, you know, uh, you know, it, it, almost every weekend. Okay, t okay. Everybody, try to get off work a little early Friday, because we have to be in Pittsburgh by 9:30, and then you know, Saturday night we're in uh, you know Columbus, Ohio, and then uh, you know Sunday is Youngstown, and um, but you know we'll be back at by dawn on Monday, so everybody right. could get to work. I've always been a blue car. I'm, I'm a truck driver right now. I mean, we've all been, uh, yeah, you know, uh, back back then we were younger, but but yeah, pretty much all, yeah, carpenters and stuff, you know. Uh -huh. And gotta um, get to work on Monday morning. Yeah, you know. yeah, and just you know, pounding it out. But so, so yeah, I mean, this is a this is a this is an art project. Of just like love, basically. Like, oh sure, I'm sure. You're like not, you're not getting paid at these gigs, presumably, or you know. Like, I mean, you'd get maybe gas money because you're like splitting it between a bunch of people sure. anyway. Of so course, it's like, of yeah, course, of yeah. Course, you it's know? not. Uh, but uh, you're, not, you're not out to make money on this gig. Well, we would have loved it, you know. <laughs> but if you're if, if you're trying to be the Sex Pistols, they might not want. But um, um, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, just great guys, you know. And then we ended up actually having a wonderful girl. We had one of the most phenomenal girl, well, just guitar players ever. Who uh, we had the, a young lady named Linda Searnock who joined. And uh, I, I was also in a girl band. I was, I've frequently been in like four or five bands at the same time. And I was in a girl band uh, called Foxcatcher. And uh, uh, Linda would always come to Temple Bahamutan shows and she would always want to sit in. And um, we're like, nah, nah, you know, we were like, like the, it was like a boys, you know, no girls in the four. Yeah, you know. And we would always put her off and put her off and put her off. You know, and then we finally were like, well, we had we had started. See, we we were so critics were so uh, 
nice to us that we would just we would just be horrible and try to know so we would just start, after a while we just start doing van halen covers you know and even that they loved it you know uh and um and i i i uh i remember telling telling this linda you know we're we're all, it's we're all, it's all van halen now you gotta get a flanger or a phaser to you know to fit in and and about a week later, we're loading out, you know, two in the morning. We're finishing a show. This girl comes walking down the street, opens up her purse, pulls out a flanger. Oh, crap. Okay. Tuesday night, practice. All right. And you had to clean up your act a little bit? No. You know, she was wonderful. I mean, she was, uh, she, she knew us. She, she was great. But, but I would, I would say this. It, it really, I, and my, I had been fortunate playing in this in this girls' group, where um, you realize the, the the crap that women go through. I mean, both both of these young ladies that I, I, this group Foxcatcher that I was in, they both of them were single mothers. You know, so you know the only time that they could get you know grandma to look after the kid was you know uh, wednesday mornings so you know we're practicing like wednesday morning but yeah man they were there and they learned those tunes bam bam they there was it meant so much to them and they had so little time so they really the the work ethic there were, yes and 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 i found and and you know in general, yeah, women. I after that, I I don't think I really had a version of of Temple of Bonitan that didn't have a woman in it. You know, we had a lot of girls, and and it was interesting because we often got a lot of flack. You know, you think rock and roll is very open-minded. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <sighs> I'm probably walking into a minefield here. I think in a very, very broad, broad sense, women maybe hear music a little differently. You know, guys will really nerd out about like a hot guitar soloist, you know. You know, it was that guy shredding, you know. I think women, you know, they like more of a, a groove kind of thing. For me, as I was becoming more the leader of the band, um, I really, you know, you 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 really appreciate um, you you appreciate someone who sort of sees the big picture, and you know, sometimes guys are just anxious to start wanking on <laughs> guitar player I mean she could certainly you know rip a solo like anybody but 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 more this lovely real hip like you know, Carlos Alomar kind of you know very hip groove kind of stuff you know she 
Yeah, probably 94, 95, and then Linda, and then uh, basically the guys on Enduro all moved to California to become surfers, and didn't take me with them. And uh, but uh, and that left me and Linda rebuilding the group, and then that's when we did the uh, bullet into Mesmer's brain. I think maybe maybe for a little while we had gone about as far as like a rock and roll kind of band. I mean, we really were like getting like, no, you know, you guys, you set fire to the club. You're not allowed to come back here for a while, you know. Um, and uh, I, I was also um, starting to learn how to use a recording studio and we were tremendously fortunate that we had a, a a dear friend who had a beautiful studio and would let us use it for you know cheap and uh what, what is cheap in, in those days um uh, we were doing like 15 20 bucks an hour you know and and he had you know beautiful equipment and and allowed me to mess around with it you know, a lot of studios don't let you touch the stuff, but my friend Jeff Kohlmeyer, really, the the they talk about if you know George Martin, the Fifth Beatle, Jeff Kohlmeyer was so important with Temple of Bonnetan, and so yeah, we 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 did we got bullet in Mesmer's brain, and and I had wanted to do something. Uh, I didn't want it. To, we we were doing a little more of a uh, hippie jazz kind of stuff, but we're it talking, didn't. Was this like '97? Probably, yeah. Like later in the '90s. Yeah, but I was really getting into kind of producing, kind of a you know Lee Perry stuff. You know, uh, way too much echo on the low end, uh, but also um, I. I think we kind of wanted to do something. Did, did you ever hear the Faust tapes? Um, by Faust, great German avant-garde oh, yeah. rock band, and they had this album, the Faust tapes. It basically just sounds like one sort of collage, you know, or uh, even even something like the Beatles, Revolution Number no. Nine. You know, it's just pieced together kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that we we were using you know i would just tape little goofy things off my shortwave radio and 
added that into the mix and then just really just chopped up all these jams. Um, and you're working with tape here, presumably. Or is it, it uh, was, ADAT? Let me say, what, what it was ADAT. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned because, okay. man, I wish I was just talking with a friend like, I loved ADAT. It's like so extinct, but it was beautiful. I think it gave you like the 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 warmth and the headroom of tape, but you could still it was still you could it was easier to work with like a digital thing. I loved it, man. It was you know, and, and you could you could push the rewind and it actually yeah. rewound a tape. It yes. actually was a tape yes. in there. It just yes. digitally yes. recorded on it. Yes, I know that was that was an era. That was great, yeah. but. Uh, they, they would break down, yeah, and that was yeah, their band. Yeah. Well, you know, it was one of those things where um, it was so it was so good, but it was also so cheap that it was making all the other forms of recording kind of a little nervous. So like, oh, we got to kill this, you know. But yeah, ADAC was great, great sound quality, but. Um, um, yeah, so we so we uh, we put that bullet in the Messer's brain, and yeah, we were able to do some touring off of that. And uh, so, bullet in the Messer's brain, you recorded you, uh, you kind of collage stuff with it. And you, I mean, you went into the studio with songs, or is it there is was, that a, there was um, you know a couple of the band members knew the songs. And, couple of them did <laughs> but but uh, we had some great we had the great charles cohen on synthesizers on that record and uh um yeah you know i i i was kind of just uh letting it float you know i i on that album in 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 terms of sort of like philadelphia you know hip musicians i had like the top guys in the city playing on that record so i just so we've got kind of uh, let them do Greg what they Chat want. Chapman Greg on the synth. Cha oh yeah, yeah. From uh, Steve. Yeah. Oh gosh, let me get. Oh Steve, Steve Buchanan. Buchanan. He plays. Uh, he he was on. There was some live stuff he was sitting in. He Steve Buchanan played a lot with Fred Frith. He lives in Europe, and uh, um, yeah, yeah. He plays. I think. He Rick was Brackbill was doing the turntables <laughs> yes. and uh, guitar and some guitar. Uh, yeah, Rick, uh, Rick. Rick was a great. We again. It's one of these things where you know, uh, I think we caught a lot of flack at the time because you know, uh, uh, a rock band bringing in a guy on turntables. People were not having it. You know, now it's like you know everybody does it. But and and but also, Rick was. Uh, so hip in in terms of what he was using he he was just you know scratching with like you know these uh you know sesame street records and and you know the goofiest stuff and you know playing you know really playing very hip with it you know added uh, added a lot If you're enjoying Low Profile, please do us a favor and share a favorite episode on social media. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And tell your friends. 
really helps the show grow and helps me to be able to keep this going. On a side note, you might notice some cool cartoons accompanying these episodes in Season 4. These illustrations were drawn by Taylor W. Rushing. To find out more about his work and see his art, as well as some limited edition prints and merchandise, you can visit taylorwrushing.com or find him on Instagram at twrushing. Cabin in the Sky, I had recently discovered. Uh, I've always loved the Jefferson Airplane, but I had recently discovered the uh, Blows Against the Empire. You know that record? It was just after. It was like, uh, I think when uh, Yorma and Jack left for Hot Tuna, but but then you had the other guys. You had Paul Kantner and Grace Slick, and, and then they brought in... Oh, it's a phenomenal lineup of people. All the San Francisco all-stars. You know, Jerry Garcia on Title Steel. And uh, uh, some guys from uh, Quicksilver Messenger Service. And David Crosby. It's a great singing on that record, too. You know, Gracie Slick and Dave Crosby. And I'm thinking, was it uh, Friedman, the guy who sang with Quicksilver? Amazing. And it was this kind of... Um, it's like a science fiction story. I think it won a Hugo Award, you know, like a science fiction story award. Um, it's a science fiction sort of concept album, but there's a lot of folk music to it also. The whole album is great. Just, again, sort of really uh, blends into one long song. But, uh, uh, oh, have you seen the stars tonight? some of the best beautiful pen steel guitar you've ever heard and uh so um did that record and it, it got some uh got some nice reviews but um and you know good band managed to get get some good touring and then i i think right around then my i was briefly married my first wife was starting to play with us uh, Leslie Quinlan, Leslie Q, who had a lot of uh, albums out on her own. Um, uh, and yeah, toured a lot. So that's Cabin in the Sky came out in 2001? Wow, it could be. I'm, I'm going to say maybe, probably, 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 yes. So... <clears throat> So cabinet. So each of these records, you would tour after putting oh, them out. Oh yeah. And it, that's yeah. not by contract necessarily. This is just your. No, you just, I wish. I you wish. Guys just want to, you guys just want to play this, the record out and yeah. get it out in front of people. Yes, and, yes, yeah. We and we did a lot. We did a, you know, hundreds and hundreds of shows. Wow. Temple of Bomb Ten. Yeah, yeah. Very fortunate. And then. Um, so ca cabinet in the sky, mm -hmm. and then so what. Nor is Infill that come out on Norman or was that on Spirit, no, that was, Spirit that of War? Was Spirit Norman of, does it now. War, yeah. So Infidel came out on Spirit of Ore yeah. in 2005. Wow, yeah. Uh, I think with that, well, okay, the very first thing I ever learned how to play on the drums. Do you ever hear 
four enclosed walls by Public Image Limited from the uh, Flowers of Romance album, which was a great, especially if you're a drummer. I don't care what kind of music, what kind of drums you like, any drummer should check out Flowers of Romance by Public Image. It was a group where basically Johnny Rotten had just alienated everybody in the group. So it was just him and the drummer pretty much left. But um, mainly Martin Atkins. And but but the the the, the drumming is just very sort of tribal, but very melodic. You know, each each tune has very distinctive drum grooves. So um, I had been wanting to explore that more. As I was writing more and more of the music in the band too, I was I had gone from you know just the lyricist to actually writing all the music. But um, by by the time Infidel or even yeah yeah that. even even start, starting probably with Cabin in the Sky, but uh, but certainly on Infidel I was pretty pretty much writing everything, and um, and 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 I kind of enjoyed. You know, I would, you know, I'd come up with my little licks on the bass and show them to the guys in the group. But I, I enjoyed playing the melodies on the drums too. So if you hear that record, I, you know, I think you know some tunes like uh, um, "Bad Girl." You know, some of those tunes where, you know, it. Looking back, I, you'll definitely hear a, a public image kind of influence there you know lots of yeah just lots of pounding drums and 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 feedback you know people telling me they had learned the tunes but but basically just playing like feedback and stuff but um but uh uh, a good, 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 good group, you know. Toured a lot with those guys. A lot. We played, we played the West Coast constantly. Where would you uh, play on the West Coast? Do you remember any of, uh, of the? L.A. A lot. Uh, was the smell in L.A. It was kind of like Philly has the Painted Bright Art Center. L.A. had the smell, <laughs> but it was kind of a, uh, it was a cool uh, art center. Uh, you know, lots of little clubs. Uh, Places in, in San Diego. We played in uh, uh, the Hemlock Tavern in San Francisco a lot.
got picked up by um, Ruby Red, uh, a label from Portugal, and they put out, uh, let me think, Flower-Footed Ghost. Uh, Flower-Footed Ghost is a real dreamy, um, I, I had f finally moved back to Florida also and I, I i had not heard that album in in a decade at least and somebody recently played it for me and so is this like 2007 or eight something like or, that okay. yeah my my i would say my earliest memories of sound i i was a little boy i grew up in florida when it was still like dirt roads you know and at night, you know, we're driving around at night, coming back from, you know, whatever, you know, um, being a little kid, and you're just out in the, the swamps, you know, it's just flat for miles, and, and you could hear these, uh, these sugar factories clanging away in the middle of the night. You'd just see these little lights on the horizon, you'd hear like, a, like gongs, you'd hear echoing over the water and real swampy, you know, you know, hanging in that, that swampy air. And when I, I think back, if, if you hear flower-footed ghost, it's really swampy sounding. It's, it, I, I was uh, living near Miami uh, at the time. That's probably one reason that was also getting harder for the band to practice was because, you know, our bass player lived in the, New Bedford, Massachusetts, and I lived in Miami, so, you know, we, uh, we hung in, I'd, you know, Eric Bailey is his name, he was actually the bass player in Temple of Bon Matan for a decade, and, and if we get it up and running again, he, he'll, he'll, he'll be there, there for sure again. dearest friends um, um, but you can just hear hear that you know it, it a little bit of a can like feel but if can were recording in in, in some uh, you know a jungle hut you know kind of thing so and, did uh, that did that take you to, to uh, Europe then um, we with, were with playing a lot we did I think I think we did Five tours in in Europe. No, well, in, in with with a few different records. I probably with yeah, probably with the group that did Monkey Straw Raincoat. We were probably doing that, and then there was some um, some uh, there was some there were some bands, uh, kind of rock bands, noisy rock bands in Jersey that we were friends with, and uh, some of those guys were playing. Tablabama Tan at that time, Jay Reeve, Vinnie Paternostro, uh, great musicians. And um, yeah, we played over there, and I, I've been lucky. I played, played Europe a, a bunch of times with Marshall Allen and with Daniel Carter, beautiful trumpeter from, from New York. Uh, and, uh, and we played, uh, well, I did, it was almost like a solo tour of South America. 
but uh, with with my friend Zach Coons. That's a guy you should you should look up. Zach is a really uh, uh, legend, uh, the Walt Whitman of of, of American uh, underground music, and and uh, um, yeah. So we were touring a lot with that. Yeah. Um, someone said you are you are uh, Ed Wilcox is a living sea shanty. I don't know what that means. I got be sick. It's very nice. Very nice. I'm not sure what that means. Hopefully that's hopefully it's guy. I'm trying to think of sea shit. Blow the man down. I would say a lot of the music I'm playing now, uh, one of the projects I'm in, uh, Pure Enchantment uh, is the name of that group. And and w w with my friend Turner Williams, who plays okay, sort of like Human a Mysterioso. Oh, yes, Was yes. That, is that one of the records? Yeah, guys, yeah. Okay, okay, I just saw I'll that this morning, can... and it, it's it's a really beautiful sounding record. I, oh, thank you. Thank uh, I was so, going to give you one, but I'm like, I don't know if I got one, but but I'm glad you heard it. I, it's on Bandcamp. Oh, good, good. <laughs> That's where I do a lot of my shopping. I'm I'm, I'm old and unaware of much, but. Uh, um, Yes, yes, and that's certainly we 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 think of ourselves as being influenced by uh, Middle Eastern music. It probably just sounds like a Sonic Youth or something. But but we we we, we like the scales we, and the kind of just yes the, the, the yes and, and certainly the, the 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 rhythms that I use. Mm. Are um, you playing drums in that? Yes, group? yes, yes, yeah, pretty much just drums for that. I asked Ed a little later about some of these bootleg recordings you can find on Bandcamp. Your uh, Springwater Tavern in Nashville, a punk squat in Louisville, and uh, and left of Lexington Festival. Wow, I don't even remember. I have no recollection. I was probably uh, uh, still in my Keith Moon phase. <laughs> Springwater is great. I, I, I think it's still open. I think they were in a little bit of trouble for a while, but I think they back uh, up and running soon. That was uh, Springwater. If you ever go to Nashville, there's it's a beautiful park downtown, and they had built the uh, the, the Parthenon for some reason in the uh, you know, it was like an 1880 world expo or something in nashville and the city founder said well what nashville needs the world to see is the parthenon so there's a parthenon and then right next to it is this uh shack you know uh called the spring water spring, spring water almost like the you know uh, chicken wire in front of the stage kind of place but but a wonderful wonderful club 
I I had played there. I, I played there a lot. I, I used to play a lot with this saxophone player Arthur Doyle, and uh, and we're we were walking in there one night, and I said, Arthur, is this a uh, is this a dive? Arthur's like, no, no it's a juke joint. One time, The Wire magazine, they asked, you know, famous musicians, what was the best concert you ever saw, you know? And um, Kim Gordon from Sonic, he said, oh, the best concert I ever saw was Arthur Doyle. And then this white trash kid playing drums, you know? I, I have kind of a compilation that we're going to try to get released called Roadwork which is just... Um, like a box set you're talking about? You know, it's just one CD. It's about maybe a dozen. Uh, it's all live. It's just kind of like maybe one song from sort of for each era of the band live. Oh, boom, boom, boom. Good. And uh, well, I, I always loved... Um, well, uh, uh, and, but I had just discovered the album... Uh, Roadwork by by the Winters Brothers, who had that great band called White Trash. You know, they're both the albinos, you know, from Texas. And uh, so, so when I put together this live Temple of Bomberman thing, we called it Roadwork, and uh, you know, sort of stole the, so the work and stuff. I'm I hope so. I, I I would like to see it. I would like to see it actually, maybe. Maybe probably a CD. It's about it's about seventy minutes worth of stuff. Um, uh, you know, we we could put it out. I've had a lot of people wanting to just you know release it on the internet, but I think it would get kind of get lost. You know. We got that double-edged sword, and and it, it's so. People are. It it's sad that it seems to have taken like decades for people to get it. Where the the releasing music on the internet, it's on 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 one hand, it's great because it's so easy to do. Anybody can do it, but it's bad because anybody can do it. So you're just swamped with stuff, and. And it's very hard to get critics to review stuff because they're just like, I don't even know where to begin, you know. If if you're fortunate enough to have a, a, a physical thing, especially if you've suckered some poor other guy into paying to have it released, you know, um, you, you do get a little bit of buzz. And, and that just helps you to... Poke your head out of the water, you know. I've, even though I, I play a lot of very loud music, I love a lot of the old uh, 50s California cool jazz drummers, Chico Hamilton and Shelley Mann. Those guys would just play with brushes and they'd really get into like the, the tones of the 
instruments, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am enjoying, you know, working with those guys. And, and uh, yeah, and I play, uh, I'm in a group called Stolen Moments, which does uh, pretty much just jazz standards. Uh, I work with a, a wonderful guitar player from Bali, Dion Sujatmiko, lives up in New York. Um, plays guitar like Pops Staples. With him, we play these oh, these beautiful Indonesian festivals. The food is just insane, you know? And uh, yeah, looking forward to doing some more of that. Oh, man, Carl. Yeah, that's... that's uh, and, and, and as far good. as like Ed Wilcox's uh, pursuit? I've been recording a lot of drums lately. Um, I have a couple friends, my friend Turner from Pure Enchantment who uh, had the uh, wisdom to marry a lovely girl from from the south of France and is there now and <laughs> um, uh, but I've been recording a lot of drum tracks sending them to him and uh, and my friend Zach Coons who's living out in the Appalachians and uh, so I'll be sending stuff out to him, and they can overdub. We we do play together when we can, but it's you know last year, you know it's it's been difficult, you know. But uh, but um, but yeah, sending sending out uh, lots of you know hours and hours of tunes on the drums, and let those guys overdub stuff on them. <laughs> And, and 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 I do always, you know, always think about um, the kindness of strangers. But you know, I think about my grandmother, and um, you know, a lot a lot of people. If a lot of people, they get into underground or avant-garde music, a lot of it's just kind of to annoy people, you know. And I never wanted to do that, you know. Some every once in a while, you'll find somebody doing underground music because the the mainstream language isn't really big enough to for all the words that they're trying to express. So they got to push it, and uh, that's how I've usually tried to see myself. The people that I'm usually with, you know, I, 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 never, wanted, I never wanted to do anything that would uh, embarrass my grandmother, you know, no matter, you know, even if I'm uh, hammered with no shirt, uh, you know, throwing things around, you know, you, 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 you but it, 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 you, you, you want to come at it with your, with your heart in the right place. You know? I never wanted people to come and see me and, and, uh, leave in a bad mood, you know, no matter no matter what kind of music I always wanted. I was playing, I, I always want people to, to feel like, oh, I feel a little different, I feel a little better, you know. 
We've been listening to Ed Wilcox talk about his band Temple of Bone Matown. This has been Carl Blau for Low Profile.